From the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LEPA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. You can learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, a number of topics to uh, discuss on today's edition of Lincoln Business Beat. Uh, we've got some test scores from the ACT, and then we learned uh, how much uh, the pandemic probably affected fourth and eighth grade test scores. Uh, we've got our, had our first event at Pinnacle Bank Arena, UNL Basketball, last week that uh, was the first of the alcohol sales. We're going to uh, touch on that. But first, let's get into the numbers, which makes you smile. <laughs> it's just, you know, you just have such a wonderful way of, of getting through numbers. Uh, well, previous edition, we went through uh, in-depth the uh, Lincoln Electric System proposed budget for 2023. They've now gone through the process. And uh, what are the end numbers? Well, uh, at the end of the day, the budget approved was uh, $330.7 million. Uh, about $275 million of that is for their operating, and $55 million is for uh, uh, their capital budget, which at the end of the day means about an average of a 4.8% rate increase for the rate payers. And um, I will tell our listeners if you go to les.com slash rate calculator, you can actually go in and it will show you the increase in your uh, electric rates and what that's going to look like. So uh, we've been sending that out to our members to check for both residential and uh, uh, commercial properties just to see what that, that's going to look like. And And I think once people sit down and look at that, uh, calculator, I think their eyes are going to open a little bit more than um, than they might expect. Well, with uh, all of the inflation that's going on, this, uh, what, 4.8% yes. uh, on, on average, what does that mean for an average residential customer? Let's just... They know. say on average it's about 5 bucks a month, and of 60 course bucks a year. Yeah, 60 bucks. So it is a significant amount of money, and uh, commercial also getting that same... Uh, rate, uh, but of course they're a lot bigger users, so it's it's going to be an increase in the overall operating expense for any business. Yeah, and they've there's this tier system with the businesses that I don't quite understand uh, exactly how it all comes together, um, and it kind of varies. So that increase will vary, but I mean, we've heard from businesses that have had tens of thousands of dollars of an annual increase in their electrical costs. So, um, you know, it does, it does hit you. And, you know, the other thing, the other part about it is, is that dividend that we've talked about in here, which again, going back to my business school days, a dividend is something you pay to the stockholders, um, not something you charge to the rate payer. So when you're, when your monthly fees go up, your dividend's going to go up because your dividend's based on, the percentage of your uh, as a percentage of your bill so we're going to see some of that um i do want to say that um the rate increase vote was not unanimous there's actually one dissenting board member chelsea johnson so uh she is uh, deputy director of conservation nebraska voted against the rate increase so i thought that was kind of something different usually those things come through you know unanimously so 
Now, the, the operating budget, though, was unanimous, just this, Correct. this portion of it, the rate Just increase. the rate increase piece, yes. Um, and here's, you know, the devil's always in the details, Mark. Um, here's something that we found as we were digging through the budget and looking at it. Um, the LES board also approved a resolution that would allow for it to offer up to $300 million in bonds without having to seek the approval of the city council. That is very problematic for we, the taxpayer, and the ratepayer, because what that means is we're going to have a little bit of taxation without representation, in my humble opinion. So um, that is something that we will be watching and uh, monitoring and keeping our listeners up to date on. Um, But the other piece of this is... This budget now goes to the city council, and so there still has to be city council approval, so there's still an opportunity for the public to come out and speak and and, and share their views on it. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens at that public hearing. We'll keep everyone posted. I don't have a date yet on when that public hearing is going to be, but uh, you can bet that uh, Leba will be there, and we will testify on it and see... Uh, See what we can do and get the council to to take an opportunity to review that. So that's what we found on the LES budget. We'll let's uh, let's uh, just briefly uh, remind everybody what the relationship between LES and the city is and why the city council uh, has the final say on this budget. So uh, it's a public utility, which means um, the mayor actually appoints the members to the board of directors for LES, and then LES has to come before the council in order to uh, raise their rates and have their budget process approved and all those kind of things. So um, so although the LES board does have that authority, um, it does have to come to the council. The part that was worrisome was that resolution that they don't have to get council approval for these bonds. So we're going to keep an eye on that and see kind of what happens. One of the things that came out of the LTU, and it's part of LES's efforts to in conservation and everything, have been the back in 2019, we actually did a complete uh, overhaul of the streetlight system, and we had a little problem with some of them. <laughs> now, I happen to like the purple, but I'm, I don't know whether I'm in the minority or not. But. The purple, or I, I like to call them the prince lights, you know, instead of purple rain, we got the purple lights. Um, and, and actually, a little bit of histor- history on this is this is something that Liba has really engaged with since these lights started uh, switching colors. And essentially, the lights that we bought, we got a bulk rate, and the bulk rate was really good, but the quality of the lights wasn't very good. So these LED lights that were supposed to last like 20 years or whatever it was have lasted about 20 months. And... Um, our concern was there was a kind of a battle early on in this fight about, well, the company said they would re- they would they would uh, replace the bulbs, but then it was about who was going to install it and who was going to be on the hook for that. And we really have pressed hard with this with our council members, and uh, the company is actually going to pay for all of that. So that was something that was concerning to me because we made a major investment and. In, when you have faulty product, they should they should replace it and you know pay for the installation because it's not like not like in our house where we just grab the <laughs> the ladder and uh, change a light bulb. It's a little bit more uh, 
an intense project than that. Yeah. So anyway, that project gets underway on uh, the the rest of them. They've got about forty percent of them already completed, but they're going to be uh, starting the process of getting the other, I think, twelve hundred or so uh, <laughs> swapped out. Uh, and and Lincoln's not the only city that had this no. problem. There was there was a manufacturing defect in the LED, and so and this company is well paying the price for it now. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure there's uh, <laughs> ramifications way deep there. Uh, recently, we got a couple of uh, reports out on uh, testing of students, and part of it was to look at what the pandemic and how schools handle handled the pandemic and the remote learning and a whole lot of different things. But we also saw it as uh, the summaries of ACT tests have come out, and it's the, neither of the reports were very good. No, it really wasn't, and 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 I think anecdotally. This is being, you know, the the reason is being pointed at the pandemic um, just because of the learning loss and schools being closed. And I mean, in some parts of the country, they the kids didn't go back into school until about a year after the world shut down, so to speak. And so um, th- there's a lot of that, those factors that go in there. The, for me, the interesting thing that I came up with was this is the fifth consecutive year ACT scores have declined, and it's the first time that the average score has dropped below 20 since 1991. Um, now, just to give you a little perspective, I was a j- sophomore, junior, sophomore in college when that happened the last time in 1991. And so I think there is some pandemic issue here. But when we look at five years, the pandemic wasn't five years ago. So um, I think it's something that we're going to have to continue to monitor because um, although I don't always say that I look at an ACT score to see how successful someone's going to be in life, we see that dropping. That's concerning. When we also look at what we heard recently from the Department of Ed and from LPS about the fourth and eighth grade tests and those uh, although Nebraska is doing well compared nationally, we're still down. And and I think that's a that's something we're going to have to monitor with those fourth and eighth grade students. Well, it also, uh, at least some of the initial and maybe anecdotal, is that remote learning is not as good as classroom learning for a lot of students. And uh, a lot of um, analysis is being done on that. Because, you know, if we see another spike, either in the flu or RSV or heaven help us if we get another big spike in COVID cases where we are faced with a similar situation. Yeah, well, and I think there's a I think personally um, there's a lot of factors that go into um, the students being in in not remote learning and being in the classroom. And sometimes it's not always just the learning component of it. It's the the meals that they're getting in school and some of those other things that I think are the other factors and the social factors. And and I think when you have them in school together, all of those factors come together and really make a difference in how the students perform. So um, this will be something certainly we want to watch and pay attention to. Uh, parents pay attention to this uh, because it's really it, it's really a big deal, and we need to make sure that we figure out what we're going to do. On the flip side of that, if you'll recall, uh, during the pandemic, 
the school district got a lot of money from the federal government. And part of that was to address learning loss from the pandemic. And now I think as we see numbers, you know, you know me, Mark, I always say numbers are numbers and numbers don't lie. You may not like the numbers, but numbers are numbers. And now that we see the numbers, I'll be intrigued to see how LPS decides to use that money to address the learning loss. Because to me, those scores going down is learning loss. And how are we going to get that back so those fourth graders this year are getting back above where they need to be when they get to be eighth graders? Yeah, it's a, a, a set of numbers. If you looked at them at a, as a matrix, there's a lot of moving parts that you've got to consider going in. But like you say, there's been a lot of money thrown at this, and the trend line from the testing scores not favorable. Yeah, and the other thing I'll just throw out there for our listeners, because, you know, all politics is local. Um, the Nebraska Department of Education has embargoed some of the testing information until after the election. And we know that there's a lot of uh, State Board of Education races on the ballot this year. And I personally have an issue with embargoing data like this because of an election. Um, I think it's it's a little bit tricky. It's a little bit gamey. And I guess when you're the education commissioner and you're retiring in January, you don't really care anymore. So um, I think that's a problem, and I think people need to know about that and be aware of it because they're playing politics with our kids' scores, and I don't agree with that. To our next subject, before we go into our deep dive, uh, we had the first... Uh event at Pinnacle Bank Arena where alcohol sales were allowed at a UNL sporting event. Yeah, so we broke that here, what, a couple weeks ago on on Lincoln Business Beat that the regents were going to were going to be voting on it and that they would, you know, they would vote on it and see what happens. Um, saw a lot of reports, heard a lot of people said it was a little bit surreal uh, to be at Pinnacle Bank Arena and, you know, be able to purchase a beer or some wine and things and, um, they were they were enjoying it. <laughs> they were glad to see it. Um, and so we'll have to see how that goes over time because I think one of the things with the Regents, and we mentioned this before, other, other UNL facilities may or may not end up with uh, alcohol over time. I think this is kind of the pilot program to see how it goes for uh, men's and women's basketball. So um, I guess I'll have to get out to Pinnacle Bank Arena soon to, to do a – what do they call that? Investigative report <laughs> live from Pinnacle Bank Arena or something. Well, personal experience. There you and, go. And reporting back. I'll get my personal experience. So, uh, you know, you can still grab you can grab a beer now uh, when you go to Pinnacle Bank Arena. We'll see where that goes. And um, I think there's a lot of factors. Number one, what kind of money does the university make out of that? And maybe how does it impact fan behavior? Um you know, you go to a concert and people are used to just going to a concert and uh, having a good time and having a few beers or cocktails. Um, sometimes people are a little bit more into their sporting events. So we'll see how it goes over time. It's one of those things. I think at the end of the season, I'll be I'll, I'll be looking for that report where they come out and talk about what it meant for them and, you know, did it cause any more issues than normal or any of those things. It'll be interesting to talk to uh the restaurants and bars in the Haymarket and other downtown locations, if they've seen any effect of it. So 
Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll continue to watch. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people that like to go downtown before the game and meet at one of the local establishments down there, a bar, a restaurant, and have dinner and maybe a beer or something. Will this affect it? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, if you're meeting your friends and kind of gathering somewhere before, maybe that still happens. But uh, we'll just wait until March and see what they say and watch it, watch and monitor, as they say. We can look at the numbers then. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, another numbers discussion. I'll be, I'll be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for that one for sure. I'm really looking forward to uh, the next segment here because we're going to do a deep dive into an area that we've talked a lot about, and that's workforce, workforce development, workforce uh, retention, uh, and all of that. But we're going to take it from a little different angle as uh, one uh, international company based here in Lincoln has uh, kind of stepped outside of the norm with their in-office staff. Yeah, uh, Sandhills Global, a multi, an international company with headquarters right here in Lincoln. Uh, they they made a decision that they're going to be starting something new here coming up where uh, they're going to let their employees work four and a half hour, or excuse me, not four and a half hour, four and a half day work weeks. Um, and they're still going to get their full-time pay. And so I think it's innovative. I'm intrigued to hear more from them about it. I When I heard about it, the first thing I did was reached out and said, we need to get you on the podcast so we could talk about this. So, um, and, and it's a good way for us on Lincoln Business Beat to try to share information with our listeners on different innovative ideas that they might want to try and see if it'll work for them. And as a, just a matter of uh, full disclosure, uh, Currency, which sponsors the Lincoln Business Beat, is a Sandhills company yes it's one of the uh divisions divisions and companies of sand hills global but we're going to talk about their their new approach to their workforce here in lincoln yeah it's it's awesome and i think it's you know hat off to them for what they're doing you need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery trucks or other equipment for your business currency is here to help currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment farm equipment trucks trailers or other big-ticket items. Now, whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure and free to use and gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Just visit GoCurrency.com, fill out the application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, doing business as currency, pursuant to CFL License 60-DBO-54873. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done. We're back on the Lincoln Business Beat, our deep dive segment. And we've talked a lot on various editions, previous editions of Lincoln Business Beat about workforce and and the challenges in workforce development, keeping an active and, and engaged workforce. So a little bit of a deep dive right now about at least one company based here in Lincoln that's making some major uh, uh, efforts in this area. Yeah, uh, you know, we've talked workforce, 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 and what kind of things. We've talked about recruiting. We've talked about retention. We've talked about culture. We've talked about a lot of different ways for business owners to try to be innovative, to try to keep their workforce and, and grow their workforce in these difficult times. And I, I found out here recently that one of our great Lebo members, Sandhills Global, is changing up their workforce, and uh, they're going to actually a four-and-a-half-day work week. Uh, and so I thought it'd be interesting if we invited somebody from Sandhills, who also is the parent company of Currency and part of the Currency family, a good sponsor of our show, and so we've got Nancy from uh, Sandhills with us here today. Nancy, welcome to Lincoln Business Beat. Well, glad to be here. Thanks for having me today. Excellent. So, Nancy, I was fascinated. Um, I heard that Sandhills was going to go to a four and a half day work week, and my first thought was, so are they closing down on Friday afternoons, or or, or what's going to happen? Do you want to go ahead and just kind of give us an overview of? the four-and-a-half-day work week, and just just some kind of general things about how that came about. Yeah, definitely. So um, you are correct in the fact that we have um, recently announced to our staff, our uh, in-office staff here, that they will be moving to a uh, four-and-a-half-day work week. And so um, really our intention with this is to um, offer a little bit more flexibility to our current staff and hopefully future staff members um, in order to um, kind of attract more of that talent and keep the talent that we have around. And so it's actually, we will not be closing down on Friday afternoons. Um, so <laughs> employees <laughs> will uh, um, be able to, to kind of choose throughout the week um, when they want to use that flexible time, um, whether it's, you know, a Monday morning or a Wednesday afternoon um, as you know, life throws different things at you, whether it's, uh, um, you know, being out sick or having appointments and things like that. So we're really hoping that, that this kind of offers some of that flexibility out there um, for us to be able to continue to keep staff around and uh, recruit more staff um, to, to our company. Excellent. So um, I let's go just I'm going to hit the rewind bit button for a second here, Nancy. So. How many employees do you have here at your headquarters at Sand Hills Global here in Lincoln? Yeah, so in uh, Lincoln, we have a little over, um, I think, 650 um, out of our headquarters here. Wow. And so um, I can, I can't not even begin to fathom how do you manage a four and a half day work week for 650 people. So how, how are you kind of going to implement this and, and, and make that happen with that many employees and kind of figuring out how do I schedule when I'm going to do the, the time off and that kind of thing? Yeah. So luckily we're set up pretty well for this internally, just with our own internal systems and processes that we have. And so 
Um, you know, we have kind of made it pretty clear to staff that, you know, we do, we will continue to operate Monday through Friday, eight to five. So each manager will kind of work with each individual person to, to set up what works for them and, and hopefully um, can work, you know, together as a group to make sure that our business continues to, to keep going and, and growing. Fascinating. So if if my daughter has a doctor's appointment on Tuesday afternoon, I could just work half a day on Tuesday. And now are they required or is it part of this like they have to take the four hours as a block or how did you how did you come about that or can they take like eight to nine off Monday through Thursday or how does that work for for you all Nancy how's that going to look yeah so it'll be um, together as a block Um, talking off of that topic of management and kind of being able to keep tabs on who's going and coming and where and and I think that'll help uh, um, with that a little bit so we'll be you know one block of of four hours at a time excellent so when I heard this it was I was just fascinated by it because it's an innovative way to try to you know do some things for your employees and help your employees out also you're keeping your you know, it's a good recruiting tool. It's a good retention tool. Sometimes the most important person to recruit is the one, the employee that you have. Um, how did, how did you all come about this idea? Like, where did this come from and, um, and, and how did it evolve? You know, it definitely was, um, a topic that had kept coming up just as, um, you know, kind of the way, the, the job market is right now, kind of, as you mentioned, it is really, it is really tough. It is very competitive, especially in this local area here. Um, and, uh, you know, we are, uh, we are an in-office organization. We believe that our most productive time is in the office. And, uh, you know, that's where we um, collaborate the most. We can communicate information the fastest. Um, and you really build relationships um, that kind of last a lifetime, really, um, with everybody around you. And so we didn't want to lose that, um, you know, but yet we still wanted to continue to remain competitive, both retention and recruitment wise. And so um, this is kind of where we landed. We kind of get the, the best of both worlds. You have uh, some flexibility, um, but you still have that in-office interaction and collaboration that we feel like is really, really needed. Wow, that's awesome. And so uh, when does this go into effect? So next week, actually. Oh my gosh! So Monday. <laughs> Monday's the big day, the big launch that's day. Big, so that's the big week, right? Halloween surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody will come in their costumes as workers that work it for four and a half day weeks, right? Excellent. I don't know about that, but <laughs> so in, in the political world, this might be called the October surprise. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. Uh, how has the how have the employees responded to this? I what kind of response have you gotten from the employees when you announced this? I think the initial response was shock, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, um, tons of excitement. Um, we have had so many employees comment how grateful they are to work for such a wonderful organization and that this is really a game changer for them and especially those with families. And, uh, um, you know, it just uh, really hit everybody um, with a lot of excitement and uh, anticipation, I think. That's great. Um, 
So I, I actually have a brother who works out there and a daughter who work out there for you guys. And uh, when I found out about this, I, I texted him and I said, hey, what do you think of the new work week? And, and they were both very, I mean, excited is a good way to put it. Um, you know, because sometimes if you got a doctor's appointment or this comes up or that comes up, you know, life mm-hmm. happens, right? And sometimes the stress of... How do we take care of that just is um, is is an additional stressor for us as parents and, and those kind of things or, you know, just taking care of ourselves, to be honest with you. So um, it's it's been received very positively. I think it's exciting uh, to hear the the response from the employees, but I think it's also exciting to see employers being innovative in how they uh, do things for their employees and be able to do that just to give back. And I know there are a lot of things you all do for your employees out there that, that I'm aware of that is is really cool the way you take care of your employees. I would completely agree. <laughs> it seems like it's kind of ingrained in that culture at uh, Sandhills Global, that's for sure. I've got a quick question. Yeah. Uh, do you have a, in place a system to to monitor this and to see what the benefits or what the downside is going forward? Or is this something that you will uh, continually monitor? But do you have anything already in, in the works to kind of measure employee engagement, uh, productivity, that type of thing? Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, you know, definitely will be uh, things to keep an eye on. And, uh, um, you know, we have lots of things um, internally developed with our internal, uh, we have called the task order system, uh, lots of processes and systems that tie into that that allow us to kind of monitor um, that engagement level and the productivity levels. And so um, we will definitely, um, you know, kind of keep monitoring as we kind of have been, um, you know, knowing this is obviously being put in place. Is uh, Do you uh, have any remote workers that would be affected by this? Um, at this time, we're have offering it to our in-office staff. Um, we do have um, a handful of remote workers. The vast majority of our remote workers are actually um, part-time. They do data entry for us, and so um, this won't affect them at all. Um, now, Nancy, are you doing this just in Lincoln, or uh, I, I guess for our listeners, share with us where your other offices are around the United States and around the world, actually? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we do have offices um, globally. So here, Lincoln is the headquarters um, here, and and the vast majority of our staff is here. We do have um, an office in Scottsdale, Arizona, with our uh, redundant data center. Um, And then we also are located in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, um, Sydney, Nebraska, um, as well. And then um, we have international offices. So over in Europe, um, we have our headquarters in Manchester, and then we kind of have individuals throughout Europe um, kind of scattered throughout. And then we also have an office in South Africa that works closely with them, too. And then um, on the other side, in Australia, we have um, our headquarters in Brisbane. Um, and then we have some folks kind of throughout Australia and New Zealand, too. Wow. So um, that that's fascinating. And I think that's one of the interesting pieces about Sandhills is I don't know that people in Lincoln know how wide your reach really is. And so I thought it was a good opportunity to give you guys a little commercial about uh, <laughs> where you're located and all those kind of things. So um, 
Are there any other kind of innovative things that you're doing for your employees with the recruiting retention um, that you can share? We have a lot of uh, a lot of small business owners in in Liba, and I think they're always looking to see what other companies are doing, regardless of size, to see how it might fit. What are maybe some other things that you guys might be doing out there that you feel is ties into that culture recruitment retention factors that you have? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, that could probably be a podcast of itself (laughs) all alone. Um, But, you know, there's lots of different things that we've looked at, um, you know, or or are currently um, having in place, you know, whether that's, um, you know, continuous pay reviews and making sure um, that all the talent that we have, you know, we're we're paying them appropriately and, and above the market. Um, it could be um, when we were just evaluating all of our benefits plans and making sure that um, we're offering a, a strong benefits plan to all of our employees and, and their families, uh, making sure coverages are all properly in place and things like that. Um, we are coming into the holidays, so we have lots of little things that we offer employees, whether that's, you know, our um, Husker football tickets, basketball tickets, um, you know, we um, do a, a gift of certified Piedmontese beef to our employees. Um, We uh, um, have lots of little things like that kind of in the works that'll be coming up soon, um, you know, that I think will always kind of tie into this and and that building that culture of, uh, you know, showing appreciation for what the employees have done. Well, that's awesome. Um, Nancy, uh, again, we've got Nancy from Sandhills Global with us today, and we really appreciate your time, Nancy. And uh, appreciate all that you're doing. Uh, you're right. We could probably do a whole series of podcasts on uh, different things y'all are doing out there. And appreciate all of your support of LIBA. You all have been very outstanding members of our organization and of our community. And, and you know, as an organization and the PEED family, they do a lot for this community in so many ways. And just appreciate all that you do. And I think that's a good idea I'm going to put you on my list and have you in here again and do another podcast. So we'll talk about some of the things you're doing, because I know you're doing some things with different internship programs and benefit programs and all of that. So we really appreciate you, Nancy, and all that you and Sandhills do in our community. Well, thanks for having me, Bud. I'm really uh, appreciative of the opportunity to kind of talk about what, what we have at Sandhills and Um, I've been extremely lucky to be a part of this organization for so many years and uh, look forward to to hearing from you soon. Excellent. And don't forget, Nancy, I'll send you the link for this. Uh, You have uh, 635 prospects right here in Lincoln to listen to our podcast to help us grow (laughs) our listenership. So we'll show that. (laughs) uh, We'll share that with you and we'll get in touch and have you back on the show uh, down the road. Sounds great. That was uh, a fascinating discussion. I knew Sandhills was uh, global, but I didn't realize how big and how many places they were in in the world. And managing a, a workforce that's global in nature, but then as uh, diverse as they are, to have to be this innovative, really pretty encouraging for the the Lincoln area. I think you know Sandhills is one of those companies here in Lincoln that. A lot of people maybe have heard the name but don't understand, and I thought this was a great opportunity for them to showcase what they're doing to help their their employees. And like I said, when uh, when when we were talking about it during the segment, I just I heard about it and I thought, wow, this is this is intriguing, and I need to know more. I want to know more because this is 
you know, whatever we can do for our listeners to give them ideas on what they can do to address workforce needs and the needs of their companies, I think is good for us. So Sandhills, uh, you know, tip of the hat to them for thinking, I'll say outside the box and finding a way to try to engage their employees and it's recruiting, retention, all those things I think can make a big difference. It goes right to that workforce uh, discussions that we've had in the past, and yeah. I'm sure we'll have more of them. It'll be interesting uh, in three to six months to see how this is all playing out in real time. Absolutely. I think having Nancy back in a few months would be great just to be able to see, A, how's that going, and maybe talk about some of the other things they're up to. All right. Well, this has been the Lincoln Business Beat. From the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vale, reminding you Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.